Morning, Journey. Good to see you all. My name's Chris. Really honored to be with you. Glad we're here in this place together on this day. We could be anywhere else doing anything else. And for some reason, we showed up in this room together. And, and I believe God wants to, to honor that. I believe God wants to speak and move in our lives. And so we'll invite him to do that in a moment. Today, what, what's happening is we're beginning the season that is known as Advent, And so you you may have heard of Advent, you may be familiar with their version of a calendar, but there's a bit more to Advent even just than that. The word Advent means coming. And so the idea of Advent as a season is one in which we look forward with hopeful anticipation to the coming of Jesus. But the coming of Jesus comes in in three different ways. It's the, the hopeful anticipation of the coming of Jesus as in baby Jesus, right? We all know it's the holiday season and we're moving towards celebrating the birth of Jesus, God in the flesh. But it's also a season in which we pay special attention to the coming of Jesus daily in our lives by the way of his spirit, his presence with us. We're reminded of that. And then the third component is that it's also a season in which we hold that tension when we know that Jesus will come again, that the world in which we live in is broken and dying and divided, and yet Jesus promises he will come again and make all things new, restore all things, and so we await the coming of Jesus again as we live in that tension. That's what's so unique about the season of Advent that the church all over the world for many, 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 many years has set aside this space in which we, we keep that tension close, right? And we embrace this reality that we are bearing witness to and waiting expectantly for the coming of our Lord. And so each week during Advent, you focus on a theme. And so today we'll focus on hope followed by joy and peace and then culminating in Christmas with love. And that's why our series is called Radical Love as we look forward to celebrating that. But another thing that's really unique about the season of Advent is that it's a time when you are intentionally waiting. You've slowed down, which is funny because as soon as the holidays gear up, we rarely slow down. So this season has been put in our lives even before consumerism took over to cause us to stop and pause and wait and pay attention to the coming of Jesus, the coming of Jesus in the flesh in our lives each day and he's on his way. And so it mirrors the reality of our lives on this earth, lives full of waiting. We're waiting all the time. And yet here comes Jesus to remind us to trust in the slow work of God. And so as we prepare to think about what it might look like this season to trust the slow work of God, I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna just dive in to the the theme of hope and see where the Lord takes us with that. So let's pray together. God, we, we thank you for the opportunity to be here. There's just something about gathering together, filling a room where you are already present, you're already at work that draws us to you and draws us to one another. So do that, Lord. We know you're here and we welcome you and we invite you by the power of your spirit, the presence of your spirit to teach us and shape us and form us and to make us more like your son, Jesus. I pray that you would begin now speaking into our lives as individuals and as a community. And if there's anything that might keep us from from hearing from you this morning, God, would you just give us the courage to humbly lay it before you and open up our lives to receive what it is you have for us. I pray, God, for myself that I would only speak words that are for you and from you this morning. 
And that everything we do from singing and praying and communion and preaching and baptisms, all of that would point to you, God. That we would see you for who you are, the God who loves us and meets us here. We pray all of these things in your son's name, amen. Jürgen Moltmann says that hope is more than a feeling. He says hope is more than experience. Hope is more than foresight. He says hope is a command. And obeying it means life and survival and endurance and standing up to life until death itself is swallowed up in victory. What a big, big definition of hope, not just some holiday feeling that we might have, but that runs deeper than that still. Something that we can even, in fact, choose. And so as I was thinking about what it is we would talk about as it pertains to hope as we kick off this Advent season, I asked Jesus, what is it that you'd wanna share, Jesus, if you were to stand here and speak to Journey Church the beginning of Advent? which is a good thing to ask if you're a preacher. So I try to do that often. And in this particular instance, uh, I, this verse just kept coming to mind. And it was Jeremiah 29, 11. Or now you may know that verse, or you may follow an Instagram account that has a day of, a verse of the day every day, and it's just supposed to encourage you every day. And this verse gets slapped on those things a lot. And so this verse by itself can tend to make me a little grumpy, but I'm gonna explain why. Okay, first, let me just share the verse so we all know what verse I'm talking about. Jeremiah 29, 11, this just kept coming forward to me, so I'm gonna read it to you. Here's what it says. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. That's a great verse. But here's what happens. We take that verse so often and we just say, see, it's gonna be okay. We just put it on whatever the thing is that anybody's going through. And and every time I come to this verse, I'm just reminded how incomplete it is when it stands by itself. There's more going on here. Hope is not fully formed in just that one verse that feels good when we read it. There's more happening. And what's happening is that the people of God, right? The the people of Israel who've lived in Jerusalem, right? the, The book of the Old Testament follows their story. They've had everything going for them. And then bang, Jerusalem gets destroyed. And everything they've ever known, everything they've ever been is undone. And they're left going, where are you in this God? And what happens is they're taken from Jerusalem where their whole world has been destroyed and they're carried into exile in Babylon. They're outsiders now. They don't have their place of worship. They don't have hope anymore at all. And there they wait and wait. And so here's the context that comes before Jeremiah 29, 11. Beginning in verse four, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. He says, build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray for the Lord, pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. 
This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says, do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams because they are telling you lies in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised and I will bring you home again. For 70 years, this is what they're being told. Before they ever get to Jeremiah 29, 11, they live as exiles in another land. And this waiting for the hope of Jeremiah 29, 11 overlays itself with this season of Advent where we too force ourselves to pay attention to what's really happening in our lives and in the world and we wait. And it emphasizes the same questions that the season of Advent is supposed to emphasize. Where is God? What do we do when we feel hopeless? Will God even show up? This is what the people of God are asking. Where are you in all of this, God? And we can relate to that. And so we're called into this season of Advent to wait. And yet we actively wait, right? We don't just go, ah, it's gonna happen eventually. Christmas will be here. We actively wait. What do you do? Well, we have a picture of what you do when you actively wait with the people of God here from Israel. They plant gardens and they work for peace. They multiply. They take care of one another. They stay. They become rooted. They don't just float around doing nothing. They're actively waiting, believing and hoping that God will show up. And so in Advent, we do the same thing. And in our anticipation that hope is on the way, we join with the the prophet Isaiah when he cries out in Isaiah 64, one, he says, oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down. He calls out to God and says, oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down. And that is what we're waiting for in this season of Advent. But to wait and to actively wait, it actually requires some skill or some work, right? And it requires some engaged intention. So how do we do that? What does that look like? Well, I actually wanna just create that for us right here in the middle of the sermon to make this very point. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read an extended quote from Pastor Brian Zahn to set up a time of silent, reflective waiting. And I'm gonna read it to all of us and then I'm just gonna give us a moment to sit in the silence with God. This picture of almost like a minute of what exile might feel like, of what we all know to be this God, are you gonna show up kind of moment. And we'll just sit and be still and be silent, actively waiting. You could even begin preparing. Now, if you wanna close your eyes while I read this, that's fine, whatever it is you need to do. But here's what Brian Zond wrote. He says, we have been seduced by an idolatry that deceives us into thinking that God is mostly found in the big and loud, when in fact, God is almost never found in the big and loud. The ways of God are predominantly small and quiet. The ways of God are about as loud as a seed falling on the ground or bread rising in an oven. The ways of God are almost never found in the shouts of the crowd. The ways of God are more often found in trickling tears and whispered prayers. We want God to do a big thing while God is planning to do a small thing. We are impressed by the big and loud. God is not. 
We are in a hurry. God is not. We want God to act fast, but God's speed is almost always slow. So we are waiting for God to act. But I would suggest that we are not so much waiting for God to act as we are waiting to become contemplative enough to discern what God is doing. God is always acting because God is always loving his creation. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are always inviting us into their house of love. But when we are consumed by anger, harried by anxiety and driven by impatience, we are blind and deaf to what God is actually doing in the present moment. Waiting for God to act only seems like waiting for God to act. God is always acting because God is always loving the world and always giving birth to something new. Waiting for God to act is actually waiting for your soul to become quiet enough and contemplative enough to discern what God is doing in the obscure and forgotten corners. Let's be still together. as I work to figure out how to articulate the tension of moving as God's people did from exile to a place of hope or sitting in this season of Advent where we slow down and wait. I knew I could not tell the story myself. I hadn't lived it the right way yet. And so I invited my friend Connie Summers to share her story, her firsthand experience of moving into a place of hope. So let's listen to her. Some people have a life Bible verse, but I have a life word, and my word is hope. It sums up my history, my relationship with God, and it's something I carry deeply in my spirit now. It's not something that I was seeking for or even thought I needed, but it's something that was a byproduct of the grieving and the suffering that I went through following the death of my husband six years ago. When I was in the hospital, it was easy for me to pray the prayer of relinquishment, not my will, thine be done, Lord. And I really meant it from my heart. And God gave me the grace for that moment. But over time, I, I learned that going through suffering meant that I had to suffer. 
The suffering was real, and it was a pain that I felt deeply in my spirit. I identified with the verse that says, the earth is groaning, awaiting the redemption of all things in Christ. And I could look around me and say, yep, there's a lot that's just not right in the world right now. A lot that's not right in our family. We missed, we missed our father, our grandpa, the one who brought all the joy and the fun to our Christmas parties and the one who was especially loving of all the grandchildren. And that was a big hole that actually on this earth would not be filled by him. So it was actually a true thing that we had to all learn together that some things are not going to be our experience in this lifetime. So it's hard to think about eternity being our comfort when we're living in the here and now. I learned there was a process of just saying a simple prayer. God, I give you permission to take my pain as it surfaces. The pain was real, and it felt sometimes like it was still the same old pain. But I just kept saying and trusting, God, I give you permission to take this pain as it surfaces. And gradually over time, I could just feel that he was replacing my suffering with his love, his peace, his presence, and that actually there was a shift happening in my spirit. Without even realizing it, I noticed that when I was meeting with people, I had a whole different perspective. Um, God, there's no hopeless case with God. Everything felt like I could say and agree with him. His love, his hope, his, his desire for us is for so much more than we could ever believe for. And it wasn't about a certain outcome. It was more um, just welcoming his peace, his love, his perspective on life. So more and more I could, I could live in the tension of the here and the now and the not yet and to know that both were completely true all the time. So I have hope that's living hope, not in certain things happening in my life, but living with his love, guarding my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. He is my living hope. Fleming Rutledge says that the Advent season encourages us to resist denial and face our situation as it really is. I think Connie's story encapsulates that so beautifully. And I think it's what we see as we follow the life of God's people in exile in Babylon. And so after years in exile, whatever our exile is, waiting for God to burst forth and come down, he shows up. In our waiting, he shows up. So here's the famous Jeremiah 29, 11 verse framed in the context of all we've talked about today. Verses 10 through 14 read like this. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future 
and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and will bring you home again to your own land. There is one who knows the way of suffering, one who has walked that road with hope on the horizon and one who now walks with us and one who will come again. So I want us to embrace this waiting by just giving space again to give God the last word, to speak specifically and directly into each one of our lives because I believe he wants to do that. He wants to do that. And so as we pause again one more time and give that space to him, I just want us to hold before us Jesus, right? The the son of God, God in the flesh. And let us hold before us the ever-present spirit of Jesus who is with us always. And let us hold before us the hopeful tension that Jesus will in fact come again and restore all things. So go ahead and take those moments with the Lord right now and then I'll lead us into communion in a moment. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, would you come now and meet us in our waiting? For those of us who are in our seasons of exile now, would you meet us? For those of us who've been through seasons of exile, would we be reminded that you met us and you meet us still? And for those of us who have yet to encounter our seasons, would you prepare us now to meet you and fix our eyes on the hope on the horizon? God, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who shows us the way you sent to earth to show us how to live, who's walked before us, walked the roads we must walk and shown us what it means to be fully who you intend for us to be. We thank you that your son, Jesus, loved us so much to willingly go to a cross to make a way for us, but that he did not stay dead, that the power of your spirit raised him to new life. And now that same spirit is in us, God. We thank you for the gift of your spirit that meets us daily, that is with us in this present moment. And God, we thank you for the hope that awaits. When your son Jesus will come again and make all things new. And so as we steady ourselves here in this present moment, straddling the tension of the reality that you have come, Jesus, and you will come again, help us to be the kind of people who join you in bringing your kingdom from heaven to earth. May your kingdom burst forth So we partner with you, God. We thank you for the power of the stories that have been told here this morning during baptism, Connie's story, and all of the stories that even just go untold that we all live into. 
God, we thank you for the gift of those. Use them to encourage us and spur us on and move us to an, to, into an ever more intimate relationship with you. Help us to trust you in the slow work that you're doing, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.